who better to sing you happy birthday than Django himself, ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Foxx. And then Jamie Foxx walks on stage with like an entourage of three guys. Bounds onto the stage. Got charges guys holding him. a yeah. cake, right? And he just starts singing happy birthday. Yeah. We're all just like standing, screaming, like, ah, it's Jamie Foxx. It was like a, that real rock star moment. And Jamie Foxx obviously is such a showman. He came on and was like, oh. yo, 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 Quentin, Quentin. Everyone's like, he immediately grips the audience, sings beautifully, of course, yeah. this is Jamie Foxx. And we all, and 2,000 people at the Palladium, plus Jamie Foxx singing him happy birthday. He's like, hey, yo, man, thanks for letting me be your Django. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing how much happier I am when the clocks go back. It's like I can I can spend so much mental energy and physical energy exercising, eating well, yes. and sleeping a lot. But none of that matters because when the sun's out, I'm like, oh, I, I am happy. Yeah, I, Everything's okay. It, uh, it's irrelevant how much of that I do. If the sun goes out, I'm like, oh, especially in London. Yeah, totally. And if you do all of that stuff and it's dark, you think, oh, what's the point? Relevant. It makes you, kind of makes you... De- annoyed at how simple and binary we yeah. are deep down because yeah. you're like oh god what's the point anymore yeah. about the bitter end of winter then you walk around the corner and a ray of sunshine hit you go yo oh, you know what oh, hey. sunglasses just come I'm straight going part time yeah am I having a beer at two yeah yeah oh wow because be- I'll, I'll feel really bad and they'll be like yeah but you, James you didn't eat well and mm. you know you really got six hours sleep which is okay but it's not enough mm. like I can point it out but overruled I'm at that age where I, if I don't have a vegetable for like a day or something, <laughs> yeah. I know it. My, oh yeah, my body's like, whoa, 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 something's I, off in here. Oh yeah, yeah. When I drunkenly order a large Domino's, which <laughs> in my youth was like, yeah, and now yeah. it's like two days of, of bubbles. <laughs> your body processing my it. body's just your like, body used good to have, lord. Your body used to have an entire department dedicated to, <laughs> to processing it. Food, yeah. Now it's what because of downsizing and aging, <laughs> yeah. you've got one body cuts with the glasses with the beads. You know, looking through the pain, cheese and oh, pepperoni. My God, I'm well, gonna work. This. Shut two stuff. days. Shut down. Shut down. Fast thinking. I need my guys. Yeah. How quickly can you process this this meat feast? Uh, I guess it's gonna take me two days. What are the clock? He's gonna have to go to the toilet every two hours, or oh there's gonna be serious not trouble. Yeah. For two days. Yeah. You've you've begun this, the podcast two weeks in a row talking about the toilet. When, what did I do the other You talked week? about the plane toilet. I just think it's something we oh, shouldn't yeah, do. No, I didn't count that as toilet humor. That was a tip. About- also, your data might have been skewed last week about. Ticket to Paradise being on the back of screen. So that might have been two weeks ago. I can't remember. Okay. But you know, you said you got up and you saw two films that were being watched yes. more than anyone. One of them was Top Gun Maverick and the other one was Ticket to Paradise. Yeah. You were on a plane to Bali and the film is about <laughs> people going to Bali for this is a wedding. True. So this is true. But like also it was on my plane from London to Dubai. So that, I take your point. Many people would be well, probably connecting connecting, to Bali. Like you, yeah. But it was more than just the flight to Bali I, I, in multiple flights. Maybe all the people going yeah, to Bali watch Tickets to Paradise. All the people who were <laughs> yeah. watching Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. All the people getting onto an, uh, an aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I'm so glad it's sunnier now. And I'm talking to you and it's like nearly seven and it's light outside. We just That's look great. better. Everyone, look, the show's going to look better for the next six oh. months. It's fantastic. And Welcome then, to episode 70 of Pop Kitchen. Oh my goodness. Seven zero. In, yeah, another, another, little, uh, another little 10 getting yeah, in there. milestone. Got some fun stuff to talk about today. I hope Talking so. about Dungeons and Dragons. Yay. And then a film that's just completely different. Infinity yeah. Pool. <laughs> You've rewatched There Will Be Blood. I've rewatched There Will Be Blood. I also rewatched Django Unchained. We might not have a chance to talk about that as a nice. film in itself, but we can. What awful films you've been subjected to? I know. Over the weekend. And then I also watched uh, 
Re- God's Creatures. Yes. Uh, we'll catch up on your recommendation. Yes. And I also went and caught up with a film called 3,000 Years of Longing, which yes. was George Miller's film from last year. It came out last year, came in well with Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. And George Miller, of course, did Mad Max Fury Road. He hasn't. That was the last film he made before that. So, so lots so, of fun today. But before we go into that, we're going to talk about oh, when yes. we saw Quentin Tarantino live. So we saw Quentin Tarantino live at the Palladium. And just a little bit of context about this. This was a, meant to be a one-night show. He's promoting this book called Cinema Speculation, which... Keep talking. We, we have here, and this is going to seem like it's an advert, but it's not. Hand it to me, James. This book here is Cinema Speculation by the one and only legendary filmmaker Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he's on a book tour promoting this. It's a non-fiction uh, kind of lots of essays about films and films in the 60s and films that informed him and his sort of personal take on it. And it was sold out. So, so I mean, We mm. caught wind of it very late. And, yep. and then they, out of popular demand, they added another day on the Sunday night and... We got tickets. My girlfriend got me as my Christmas present. It was very sweet. And James agreed she to come on. me and said, I'm getting this for George for Christmas. Do you want in? And I was like, I guess. Content for the show. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Only named a bloody podcast um, after one of his films. It was heaving. And it was and it was just people, just so many people turning out to see him. And the bonus was that it was being, we didn't know who it was going to be compared by. Usually we think Edith Bowman. Yeah. The Ali Plumbers. But no, it was being compared by uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. And we must say, like, when we went in, you know, queued outside at the London Palladium and then in very Tarantino fashion, which is what he does with all of his film sets, no phones. Yes. No smartphones. Yes. Walking in, you've got one of these sort of like felt packages with a lock. I describe it as, you know when you buy clothes and they need to take the lock off? Yes. It was like like one of those clasps. Uh, that's exactly that every secret cinema I've been to. That's the thing that they do. And so you get this little pouch with your phone, you can't, you can't get into it. And... Um, I do love not having lo- access to my I phone. I think that it's should fantastic. be at every single event. No one's filming. Everyone's really engaged. Everyone's just present. And um, it was sort of split into two halves. Yeah. First half was Edgar Wright asking Tarantino. You know, you know what I thought going in? I thought, oh, it's multiple nights. They're probably having the exact same conversation twice. But as soon as he started talking, I realized there is no way this yeah. is the second time he said this. But yeah, first half is Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Edgar Wright interviewing Ta- yeah. Quentin Tarantino on some of the essays in this film, some of the... the the yeah, scenes good. and moments you want us to talk about in film history and the things that brought him to where he was. I, and then, yeah. Yeah, so please go on. No, I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say that he came on a little bit late. That's fine. Yeah, the suspense yeah. is building, but absolutely full house. But Big theatre, by the way, if anyone doesn't know. Yeah, it's, like a lot, it's the London theater. Palladium. It's the London I mean, Palladium. It's huge. Big West End theatre. Um, and Edgar Wright comes on first and does like a little bit of a preamble and does a nice sort of, you know, many bad motherfuckers of grace Drops this Drops a stage. C-bomb within 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, he says, please, you know, for the man who no, needs no introduction, here comes Quentin Tarantino. And he gets, Quentin gets a standing ovation upon yeah. arrival, which yeah. I've never seen before. And when, when he came on stage, <laughs> I was immediately like, oh my God, this guy is- we both uh, went, he's huge. He's huge. <laughs> he's massive. He's huge. But also he's like such like, a, uh, it's like when you see a rock star. And like, yeah. he had that energy about him. And then the whole night became like, like a, a titan. He was, he was big. He had but he's presence. So, and also he's so shoulders. iconic. You just yeah. look at him and be like, oh, he looks like no one. No one else looks like Quentin Tarantino. No. He is yeah. just- Big and he's and he's heavy and he's got the jet black hair. Yeah. Um, and he's got he wasn't wearing like a leather jacket or anything, he was wearing like a denim shirt over a white shirt. He looked really cool. This looks very cool. And you were just like, holy shit, this guy's an icon. And there he is right there. Yeah. And he sat down what was meant to be an hour-long conversation that was meant to be a QA with the audience. But what it actually became was an hour and a half conversation that yeah. Edgar Wright asked Quentin the question. 
and Quentin, because we're on first term basis mm. now, yeah. Quentin taking Eating. 10 minutes to go on a, a really detailed, intricate diatribe about that one specific thing. And it got super niche. Super niche. I'd say the first 20 minutes, I've no shame in admitting, lots of the references went over my head. I was picking up strands of what he was talking about. But despite yes. that, so fascinating. I and I became in awe of him as a storyteller and an mm. orator and the way in which he talks about things yeah. that aren't real, like they're real. And they're yeah. the most important thing that ever happened. And, and yeah. that's what happens in the movie. And yeah. he just, he goes, you're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't really know the reference, but I'm in, yeah. I'm in, I'm sold. And when he's, he, you know, he went for, for example, there was a bit where he talked about taxi driver. And yeah. every, just this great story where he's like, when I saw, when I saw taxi driver, I mean, the whole fucking audience like lent in because Harvey Keitel comes into that moment yeah. and it fucking rocks. Yeah. 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 And, and um, all of a sudden you're rooting for this guy yeah. Who you never really liked, but now he's trying to save this child prostitute. Yeah, yeah. And Jodie Foster's there. And, and, and people, people would clap at some of the anecdotes. Yeah. And he was just so passionate and, and engaging and articulate about stuff that, you know, even if they were niche references, mm. we were just like, wow, we're in for it. And the lights lifted at the interval. And, you know, an hour and a half is a long time to sit yeah. and watch someone talk about something particularly so specific. We were like, well, and, and it was also like Quentin was lost in his own reverie because when Edgar Wright finally said, okay, I, we do actually need to take it yeah. into all now, Quentin sort of like snapped out of this conversation. He was yeah. like, oh, oh my God, yeah, this is this has been so much fun. I he yeah. could have gone for eight hours straight. Yeah. He would have happily, if an audience was willing, he would have sat there. I would have, I would have happily done it yeah. if he'd given me sustenance. He would have happily gone for eight hours and just kept going with little yeah. nods of references. I love when he talked about Terminator, the oh, original Terminator yeah. and why it's so special. And he was like, you know, it's not like, there's a little bit of action and then there's some talking and ex yeah. exposition. There's a little bit of action. The only exposition that happens is in a car going 100 miles an hour. You don't give a fucking shit about the cops in the police station. You care about Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah. in black walking down. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he, he has this kind of like, he has on the one hand, like an intellect and an intelligence and like hyper... Uh, intelligence of like a professor yeah. combined with the childlike wonder and childlike fascination yes. with, um, with cinema. And what I found very interesting for someone as Tarantino in the films he makes and the assumptions that people make about that kind of filmmaker and the yeah. kind of person that he is and the, and the type of person he is of his generation. Normally when you look at filmmaking or you're, you're talking about people like this, there's a level of sometimes toxicity that comes with yeah. it. But I was surprised at how warm and earnest and i i never got a sense of like uh you know when you, some people of that generation Wasn't, talk uh, you go oh that's a little bit dated there was just he was just actually speaking he's just so individual and unique in his own way it, it was like dense and and factual but it never felt uh uh overindulgent or pretentious no. I was oh, like, it, no, never pretentious because no. he he was justified in being that nerdy that specific about what he was talking about because yeah. it, it was all backed up by what he was saying yeah incredible. and i could just imagine what it's like to be to be an actor and to go to read a script of his and he would just sit there probably for two hours and bring up a million references that you were just like oh my god there's been so much thought gone into mm. every single part of this i mean what was great is that listening to him talk in the interval we said this week it makes mm. you just want to go and watch every oh. single film ever every read every yeah. film book ever and just like imbibe on the the greatness of I cinema but it put it in my veins yeah yeah i literally felt like oh my god like, i i know nothing compared yeah. to this man and now i want to consume so much more i want to go back and in, and in the second half it was great because he he was just him on stage doing reading the last chapter of this book yeah and this wasn't him like at the lectern being like uh yeah and then i then i thought this. he gets the book he holds it in his hand and he roams the stage and really performs yeah. the, the last chapter and owns this content that's his and he and it makes it work in only because it's written in his voice he's got such a distinctive yeah. voice so to see him sort of orating it like that 
it was brilliant. It, yeah. was, it, it was wonderful. And, and it was, I, yeah, I don't want to ruin it because I think a lot of people, I, I'm going to read the book soon. I think a lot of people should, but it was about this uh, role model he had who mm. is also a huge cinephile that sort of really informed the way in which he wrote characters and wrote stories. And he sort of loops this whole chapter and this person's inspiration into the fact that he won the Oscar for best screenplay for Django okay. and Chain. Yeah. And, then, and then what was great is that, so it was Quentin's birthday that evening. Like yeah. that, at midnight, he was turning 60, the big six zero. And Edgar Wright comes on stage after. So he, he, fin- he finishes this reading and everyone gives him applause. It's really great. Edgar Wright comes back on and says, ladies and gentlemen, you know, put your hands together for Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, whatever. And he says, you know, Quentin, it is your 60th birthday mm. this evening. And it's not midnight here yet, but it is midnight in Finland and it is midnight in Tokyo. So we'd love to, to all wish you and sing you a happy birthday. And who better to sing you happy birthday than Django himself? Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Foxx. And then Jamie Foxx walks on stage with like an entourage of three guys. Bounds onto the stage. He's got some guys holding him. a cake, right? And he just starts singing happy birthday. Yeah. We're all just like standing, screaming like, ah, it's Jamie Foxx. It was like a, that real rock star moment. And Jamie Foxx obviously is such a showman. He came on and he was like, oh, yo, 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 Quentin, Quentin. Everyone's like, ah. He immediately grips the audience, sings beautifully. Of course, yeah. he does. He's Jamie Foxx. And we all, and 2,000 people in the Palladium plus Jamie Foxx singing him happy birthday. He's like, Hey, yo, man, thanks for letting me be your Django. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Quentin was just so cool about it. Giving his Quentin, like, he's, he's not got an ego, but he knows that he's great. And he's like, hey, man, thank you. And yeah. he's like, you are my Django. Yeah. And he's like, fuck yeah. And then he was so sweet. He was like, I love, I, I, great to be here with Edgar and, and, and Jamie Foxx and all you guys. Yeah. And then he just throws his mic down and walks yeah. off the stage. It and he's was, like the guy holding the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, he, he, it was just such a just a massive high to, yeah. to end the whole thing and it came out and it felt like being at a gig it, it really like, did it's like, like you've seen a top five music artist of all yeah. time at, at their best and you yeah. just I feel blessed to have seen a, a filmmaker of that ilk talk about film and in also a way that wouldn't happen not talk about else. his own films once no, yeah. Except for that minor reference to Django, he never he never sat there and talked about his own work. It wasn't indulgent. It in wasn't that way. like when I made Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. I did with no, it was none of that. It was all just about cinema speculation. speculation. It's just like the wandering mind. I assume yeah. this is the more collected and like well realized thoughts of that man. I think um what's we also haven't mentioned the fact that, I mean this wasn't mentioned that night, but we it has been news, is that his next film has been announced. Yes. Widely speculated to be his Final film, so he says. It's called The Movie Critic, set in the 70s and with a female lead. Now, he talked about Pauline Kael a lot. If people don't know Pauline Kael, she was a huge uh, leading film critic in the 70s. Um, It's not an autobiography at all, or sorry, a biopic, but it might be inspired by that because he was talking about how much of an influence she had on him as a film fan. Um, I can't wait to see it. I I don't know why, but in my blood, I was just like, Margot Robbie lead. Mm. Because in the way that like he returns to actors, I feel like he'll go... You know what? Uh, yeah, or J Law. Yeah, because J Law was almost in. Yeah, was almost in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was. Yes. She played almost played the uh, Dakota Johnson, Dakota Fanning role. I stand corrected. Um, but what a great time! And while we're talking about it as well, like, having just seen Django, because obviously after that I was like, I want to go rewatch all mm, of his films. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just I've just come back from a weekend where I've had lots of free time and just like my girlfriend and I just smashed through loads of films. And she'd never seen Django. Oh, wow. Um, well, it was it literally, was, we were tossing a coin between that and Reservoir Dogs and Django mm. was on Prime and Django Dude, and Reservoir done. Dogs wasn't so yeah. done. Um, and I, you know, I've always liked Django. It, it, it's, I think Django for me is like fine. For me, it's like solid mid-tier Tarantino and I don't yeah. need to put it down. I mean like- Still mid-tier mid, and yeah, the highest mid-tier tier is like a very good tier. Mid-tier Tarantino is, is a good tier. Sure. Um, I think it's fine. I think like I like, you know, really enjoyable Django. It's a bit long. How about that last 20 minutes or so? How did you get on with it? Uh, when the first when I first saw it in the cinema, I found it really in, in like 
insufferable. Yeah. And now, but now the whole film just moves. Yeah. I, I'm noticing as, as I'm older, films move quick more quickly. Yeah. My perception of time, I guess, has changed. But, right, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like when Quentin shows up as the Australian, I was like, what the fuck is this? Come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a bit long. Bad time and, the, and the pacing I find really sort of slightly up and down. But I bring it up because we talked about many emails ago about violence and the use of violence mm-hmm. in front of Tarantino. And I, and I wanted to confirm something that we sort of touched upon, which is that we, with Django, I was always surprised that Quentin Tarantino has made a film that engages with something as big as slavery because Quentin's so like wrapped up in his own little world. You think, oh, slavery? Do you want in his voice? Does it? Yeah. Sometimes not appropriate. Come across? Yeah. The thing is, actually, it, people give him a disservice because there is a lot of violence in Django, but there is two types of violence, and it is really the distinction. I think is really clear yeah. because on the you absolutely he, he absolutely respects the brutality of slavery and and he 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 shows the brutality of slavery the threat the yeah sex. and the threat and, and 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 without aestheticizing it or fetishizing it because when you, when the brutality happens in Django whether it's Kerry Washington being lashed whether it's uh the, one of the slaves being pulled apart by dogs like all of that is meant to make you feel uncomfortable and 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 you're horrified yeah. right and then that is completely flipped with the huge blood squibs that it rockets out of people. The, exactly, the cathartic yeah. violence that happens when Django just goes on a rampage and, and shoots people. And it's like the balance between the horrific and the cathartic. And I think it's... it. I, re- I understood from the very beginning, I was like, oh, Tarantino's got a really firm hand on this, actually, weaving this all the way through. I never for once thought, oh, that's making me a little bit uncomfortable. Like mm. I did with... It's actually in the hateful eight, but um, to me, to me, Django, especially just like as it comes to the end, it feels like a sort of slightly frayed shoelace at the end. Because I know Sam mm. Jackson has talked about how there's whole loads of bits to do with his character and scenes that were cut mm. and things that wrap up. Obviously, I can't speak to that. I've not seen the stuff that was left on the left on the cutting room floor, but I kind of do see like yeah. different ideas, not quite necessarily it's having little, been tied a bow on. Yeah, it's a little disjointed. That's why the email about the pacing, like some sections, yeah, kind of shift about. But um, I don't. I think Django isn't that actually that interesting a character? I think Jamie Foxx plays sure. him very cold. Yeah. And I wish that he was a bit more expressive. I don't think it's one of Leo's best, actually. I think he's fine. I think he's. Sure. I think it's actually quite a one-dimensional character for such a three. And I think Leo's trying to give it's that... Delivered ferociously. Yeah, so Leo's shouting, giving it all... But I'm thinking, actually, this, this character is not actually that interesting. Yeah. And, you know, we get asked a lot about... Um, Sam Jackson character is way more interesting. Really interesting. So you could good. have a whole... That switch is such a cool reveal. Yeah. When yeah, he yeah. all of a sudden like changes his posture and everything, like, yeah. oh, this is so much deeper. Um, but really, but, but but like, so uh, you know, Django, perfectly mm. fun, solid. But I, I, um, when people ask like, what's your favorite Tarantino film? Isn't it a more interesting question to say, what's your favorite Tarantino character? Mm. Could you answer that off the off the bat? Um, <laughs> Across all of his films, what are the characters that stand out? I love. Um, the Jew hater's really good. No. I, oh, oh, yeah. Hans Lander, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and then um, I saw this TikTok recently, which was about the rope marks on Aldo oh, Ray's yeah, yeah. neck and how they're never explained. Except in the screenplay, because he and survived a lynching. Tarantino was like, if I wanted you to know, I would have wrote it in. But I don't want you to know. Oh, yeah. Like, like Brad Pitt needed to know. You didn't need to know. You could just see it, and yeah. you could make your own assumptions. I always thought that made it more interesting. I need to now go through and think. Uh, Bill... I- Bills are a really cool one. Oh yeah, is it, yeah. The bills of, of the, the kill, kill. <laughs> of the kill, <laughs> the one meant to yes, be killed. That's true. Um, so Hanslander, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill yes. has like that magnetic screen presence because he's withheld for so long, and then when he he's there, it's like he has this. Uh, 
Okay, well, you know what? Seven I'm just speaking. I'm let's, uh, let's work through it. We're just trying to do it quickly. Well, who, All the characters. <laughs> no, no. Who's the best character in Reservoir Dogs? I would say probably Mr. Pink, actually, is the most interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Harvey well, Keitel, Harvey Keitel is, cool. is pretty the best. Switch, yeah. He sort of chumps in and changes everything. Yeah, really. So, yeah. Okay, either of those. Um, Pulp Fiction. That's that's the hardest. Yeah. Which which character is the best in Pulp Fiction? It's either Samuel Jackson or John Travolta. Do you know really what? Or Marcellus Wallace. Yeah, you know that's a good character. Oh no, the Wolf, Winston Wolf. Harvey yeah. Keitel turning up as Winston Wolf. Which character? That's that he paints really interesting people. Okay. It's like a varied okay. Jackie, it's, Jackie Brown. I have. I. That's the one I need to rewatch because I've only see. seen it since I was a kid, and and I. I know people now say that's one of his best, but at the time I was like, this isn't very Tarantino. Mm. I, I think it's probably going to be great. Kill Bill again. Like all she's great. cool. Oreni, she's cool. Yeah. They're all fucking cool. Uh, Bill's cool, and then yeah. Death Proof. The, Kurt Russell's the coolest person in that. Yeah. Um, Inglorious again. Just does, going around saying they're all cool. That. Yeah, uh, Hans Lander, of course. Is Shoshana, I think Shoshana is quite cool. Oh yeah, really. Yeah, cool. really cool. The, the strudel scene. Oh yeah, out of control. But just also when she's like, putting the makeup on, she's the lipstick on her, or not lipstick, the blusher on her cheeks. Yeah, just like um, Zola is very cool as well. Oh no, and and Fassbender's character. Oh god, yes. yes. And then you get. Then you get Django, Christoph Waltz killing it again in Django. Yeah. So and and, in, and not it didn't do the same thing. But but Samuel Jackson, I think you're right, is the most interesting character in that. Yeah. Uh, and, oh no! But then I love Don Johnson as Big Daddy. Don, Don, Don Johnson's really good in that. Do you remember? Yeah. As the yeah, guy yeah. at the beginning. Well, shit fire. Yeah. We don't put our hoods on. It ain't a raid. <laughs> and then hatefully, I, I don't know. I, uh, maybe Samuel Allen. I, 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 it's not one of my favorites. And then what's the name? Once upon a time in Hollywood. After that, I would say probably Brad Pitt's character or um, hmm, I don't know. Anyway, you can let us know what your favorite Tarantino <laughs> characters are. Drawing this to a close, that we, was amazing. We had a great experience, and we can't wait to tuck into his books and my speculation. And Quentin, you can come on the show anytime. Any time. It's your cult pub kitchen. I mean, like a white pub kitchen. <laughs> Where, where's I don't understand. I, I don't understand because when I mean pub fiction, if it, I was like, going to eat, I would go to a restaurant. <laughs> what do you think his stance is on food in cinema? In the cinema, he he doesn't. He, he, he's he's not scared of having food. Oh, oh, sorry. I food literally in his cinema. No, I mean <laughs> like his it, films. I mean no, I mean like like snacks. Mm. It's disruptive, or is he like you want to have your fucking popcorn, man? Didn't he? Mention, There's movies. Didn't he mention like uh, calling something a popcorn flick and that thing? Or am I making that up? He's like, you know, you watch that and you have the popcorn. Uh, I, I don't know actually. I can't remember. Quentin. You know, people describe the films as having a popcorn quality to them. Yeah, yeah when, people, when people say there are films, and there are movies. Yes. Anyway, Quentin, great to. It was great to see you. So James. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's a IP I am familiar with, but mm. in terms of my actual knowledge of how the game works, it, my knowledge of that is limited entirely to Stranger Things. That's all That's all my exposure to it has been. Do you remember at uni, near where we used to rehearse plays in Falmer, there would be the D&D Society that oh, would God. meet. I remember this release. Is it Falmer? I don't where, remember it. But where, I did we, where did you perform Grace Guys? What was that room called? The wasn't it Mandela Hall? Mandela Hall. So they that at that building. You know where everyone would wait to audition yes, stuff. Yes, in the that wooden, shared the wooden space. Bit. Yeah, yeah. There was a D and D society, and that, that is my only experience right. of D and D. Have no me. sense of like 
oh, it's a good or bad thing. Yeah. It just, it never, encount- I never encountered it and it never encountered me. Um, I'm into plenty of nerdy shit myself. So who am I to say like that would be out of my sphere <laughs> of, of, of uh, thing. But in terms of like my understanding of Dungeons and Dragons, it's, it's completely non-existent. If there were references in this film to something, I wouldn't have got them, right? Okay. And look, I think uh, since you and I started this podcast, you know, however many months ago, there are certain films which I'm seeing in the cinema that I probably would have either not seen or waited for them to come out on streaming right. or another version. This is one of those films where I'm like, okay, film's out this week. Why don't I just go and see this? And typically sure. those films that I tend to would not have seen or rushed to see in the cinema. 65. <laughs> 65. Maybe I'm on Quantumania I would have waited because yeah. of the reviews. They're usually, I can usually sort of sense that I'm, I'm kind of seeing them to yeah. have a good discussion on the podcast, have some fun, you know. We're get, doing it for you guys. To get, get ahead, maybe my audience is interested in, in hearing it and it's good for the SEO of the show. And this is, this is definitely one of those films. And I think there is definitely, a, for me personally, something about the look of it in the trailer kind of gave me the ick before I went in. Mm. Both in like the potentially heavy reliance on CG yep. and the slightly um, generic feel of what I think it's yes. going for. Can, did you think that's fair? There's something icky about I, I totally, it. Totally, and actually not to just diverge from that, that point, but I have this, that feeling you've had is exactly how I feel about that film Renfield that's coming out. Right, yeah. Which I think sounds like an interesting idea, but when I saw the trailer, see the poster, that, right? it's got generic studio fingerprints all over it yes. that take yeah. off any interesting element to it. So yeah, I thought about Dungeons and Dragons, but studio fingerprint is an interesting um, term. thing. But I, yeah, but I like Chris Pine. But I think when you when someone is saying we're going to make Dungeons and Dragons, which is an IP that I don't have a connection to or any sort of association with, um, look, you're going to cast... Chris Pine is your lead, right? right? Which is already a very good step in the right direction. It's also stars Sophie Lillis, Michelle Rodriguez, Rodriguez, uh, Reggae John Page, Justice Smith, and Hugh Grant. These Rodriguez, <laughs> they're trying to murder me. <laughs> it's just a million Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Hugh Grant is in it. Um, I did, funnily enough, listen to Mark Kermo's review, and he said that some of the scenes are CG and some of them are real, but Hugh Grant is chewing them up anyway, <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting. Okay, so let's just talk about what this film's about. So we have a fantasy heist film. Okay. Okay. And Chris Pine and his uh, gang of mates are thieves, but they're good thieves. And they, on a way to go and steal a thing, they accidentally unleash a much greater evil. So therefore, they have to go and steal something back to stop the world ending. Sounds like the Guardians of the Galaxy. It, I literally, so about halfway through this movie, <laughs> I was realized, okay, so it's like a ragtag group of very disparate people all coming together for a shared common goal, but they realize like their humanity through like, mm. and I was like, oh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was kind of a new hope and like yeah, kind of yeah, just yeah. Tracing, tracing it back <laughs> so if you strip sci-fi out of this and you just applied fantasy it, it, it took it took me an hour and 10 minutes to be like Guardians, <laughs> it's Guardians minus like the 80s cassette music. Um, okay, so this film is two hours and 15 minutes and I will not dock it for that runtime because despite me going in with the ick, it was consistently entertaining wow. and funny. It is funnier than any Marvel film I've seen at least for... I don't know how many years, but like I'm saying it's, oh, good. it was laugh out loud, funny, consistently throughout. That's great. And I think that, you know, I go in, so Dungeons and Dragons, know nothing about it. This film has to what? It has to be entertaining and it probably should be funny. And it does kind of do those. I will dock points for it being very generic, mm. right? There's very few new ideas. I don't think there was a theme 
apart from be good. Do you know what I mean? You know, you're thinking like, what's this yeah, really about? Get apart your... from like just, yeah. at least fast films about family. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. what? What has it got to say? And it really doesn't have anything to say. But I can't, I can't really go. Oh, yeah. I can't, I'm not going to be annoyed at this film because it it passed my time really well, mm. and I had a good time with it. Um, it, I, I, what I'm realizing when I've seen things like, uh, or just like other big blockbuster films that are, are throwing in comedy there, it's actually really hard to find a line between being a spoof or a parody or just like taking your world seriously and being funny. And I think this film is actually, it does take, it's not, it's not like mm. a, a, a parody of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And from what I've heard, people who do like Dungeons and Dragons have not poo-pooed it. They're like, oh yeah, no, this is like true to okay. the material. And so I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, it's not just a piss take. It's mm. funny, yeah. but it takes its world seriously enough for me to also care about mm. what's happening. And I talked about it being a heist movie. And you know, we've got magic and rules, which I don't know about. And it's quite good at setting up its own magic and its own rules mm. and things that you know you can't do but now we have this MacGuffin we're able to do that now yeah. and when that comes in later I'm like oh yeah of course like you mentioned that yeah. and that now makes sense and that's fun that you brought in this element like I don't know if you ever played Portal no, there's like, I know this idea it. of like you know like this whole like thing that you can do with Portal and um, it, it doesn't uh, overstay its welcome with ideas the, the reggae John Page sequence is like a good he's in a good like sort of 25 minutes in the middle and he's a really great comedic foil to the other characters. And he's funny. And then just when like his character probably runs out of steam, he leaves and you never see him again. And I'm like, oh, he was such a great mm. comedic presence in this. He's an actor I don't, I've never really found like that, that engaging. And yeah, halfway through, I was like, this is Guardians. And that's why it's working. Everyone will take that idea and put it into a fantasy high setting. And that's why it's done. Um, there are both Dungeons and Dragons. Good. And there are take, scenes take with boxes. dragons in the dungeon. Good. Um, the CG's not great. And it's pretty rubbery. I'm realizing that uh, no one's really going to do a dragon better than the Hobbit Desolation of Smaug. And that was pretty yeah. obvious in terms well, of like CG and like. Is the, is the Game of Thrones dragons not as good as Ga that? I'd say Ga Game of the Thrones, when they got budget. They got loads of dragons. Yes, in the new ones, they got low budget. But like I'd say earlier on, the okay, dragons were enough. a bit rubbery. What about Shrek? Yeah, <laughs> the best dragon scene. Yeah. That was such a like staple dragon fairy tale scene in Shrek, yeah. isn't it? It's like the classic, yeah, British of the Lava. Um, and that's it. I, 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 I said this to some people at the pub, they're like, what have you seen recently? And I said, Dungeons and Dragons and it's not awful. And people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like I, I could hardly recommend you see it, but it's really inoffensive. On that point, Declan writes in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, I want to give you my exclusive first thoughts on the new Dungeons and Dragons film. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. Honor Among Thieves, yeah. I should say. I was lucky enough to get to, to an unlimited secret screening and was worried it'd be something I wasn't too excited for. But this new D&D movie, let me tell you, actually solid. Yeah. I'm trying to, he's written it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Non-spoilers, obviously, but something that really stands out <laughs> is that for me, which might be a film confession, is that I, which might be a, a, a controversial opinion, I find Lord of the Rings overwhelming as a fantasy tale because mm -hmm. there's so much lore in that opening I montage. That, but I don't agree. And I struggle to keep up with the world building, which for me feels more like rules to remember. In Dungeons and Dragons, it's beautiful how comforting it feels not to be overwhelmed, getting information yeah. about the world in small spurts, and only when necessary to the plot, it feels natural. It's quite funny and got a great cast, but as someone who's just wrapped their on uh, who's as someone who has just wrapped on their first short film, congratulations. Yeah. I was in love with the really dynamic shots and compositions. Just something cool to appreciate. Don't want to say too much more at the risk of spoiling your initial experience, but I look forward to hearing what you both think. Personally, I'd say four out of five stars as a solid go with your mates movie. It takes no risks. 
That's where I dock points. Ah. It's like, yes, you're safe and you, you've drawn from great things. You've taken no risks. Hugh Grant is doing what I thought was an impression of Boris Johnson. Ah, uh, really? Because he's doing like this, uh, he, like the, the vocalization and the voice, like he's good fun. He's doing this Paddington thing yeah. basically, but in fancy. And I was like, he's just doing Boris Johnson. He's playing like a politician who mm. lies ah. to get ahead politically. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts doing Boris in the middle of it, which I found quite funny. Um, so that's, that's probably all I'll say on it, but... Yeah. Well, if you've seen Dodgers and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, like Declan has and like James has, write in and let us know your thoughts. Sure. You know if you, if you you are lucky to be stuck with Dungeons and Dragons, do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, if yeah. all the films to be stuck on. Oh yeah. You'll Great fine. plane movie. Yeah. Great plane perfect. movie. Okay. Perfect. You know, what? I, I I I I will be honest. If I see that, I won't go see it at the cinema. But if I see that come onto streaming, and I'm and it's a Sunday, yeah, that will be near the top of my list to go. Oh, I'll put that on. Yeah. Easy. It takes no so risks, then and therefore it cannot offend me. It's like watching a film on the easiest setting of a game, <laughs> which is the opposite to my next one, which I'm going to talk about, okay. which is Infinity Pool. James, I am trying to think if I've ever seen a David Cronenberg movie. I've seen The Fly. There you go. But my knowledge of David Cronenberg is very limited. I think I've seen Eastern Promises as well, but I've not seen core David Cronenberg stuff. And... Me neither. No sooner have I had a, have a chance. No sooner have I had a chance to catch up on David Cronenberg. His son goes out and makes a couple of films as well, Brand. right? Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. Now I heard Possessor. That was his previous one. I heard that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Heard there's a great Andrea Riseborough performance in that. Antiviral. Yeah, and I think there's a. We had an email saying how good Possessor was. Yes, we did. But here we go. Know. Brandon Brandon Cronenberg now returns with a new film called Infinity Pool. You've seen it. Yeah. I fancied it. I didn't know anything about it. Me and my cousin often will go and see some spookies together. Nice. Book tickets on a Sunday night. Uh, went to a very nice cinema, Castle Cinema in Homerton. Nice, like, sort of reclining sofa seats. Lovely. Nice screening. Kind of like going to a, a new place to watch something spooky and weird. It's kind of nice because it's like a new environment. Mm. I don't know it. Dark room. Heightens blah, blah, your blah. senses. Heightens my senses. Um, Infinity Pool is... Look, look I, I said before this was like watching a film on very hard mode. Right. And um, that that is the way I felt about it. I think a lot of this film descended into like the last 20 minutes of an Ari Aster film towards the oh end. God. And I'll be honest, what started as a very cool idea that I wanted to unpack. Yeah. Film, film loses me about a third of the way in. And became, Early. It became slightly... I was laughing when I shouldn't towards ah. the end. Uh, but Infinity Pool is a film... Starring uh, Alexander Skarsgård, who often is drawn to... I, th- I think you could very easily, given sort of the look and who he is, have done sort of a more sort of atypical stock male characters. And I feel like he's always doing something very different and very yeah. strange with his acting. I'm, I'm, I've always appreciated Yeah, that. I like him. He is playing a writer who has uh, lost his inspiration. He released a book six years ago to kind of mixed reviews, right. but he's married a very rich woman. So he's sort of okay. lost a sense of why he makes his art. And he, him and his girlfriend travel to this beautiful opulent resort Man, in a, his girlfriend his girlfriend oh sorry his wife his wife so his, yeah thank you sorry I meant his wife have traveled to this his wife uh, played by oh I can't remember her name but she's not a name that I she's have. not that's not Mia Goth no okay. no and, and he they travel to this opulent resort and he's meant to try and find his inspiration and um 
It's set in a fictional state called Lee Tolga, which is, I think, loosely based on like Croatia, Bosnia, around that region, based on like what it looked like and the way which they referenced it. And it's kind of like a troubled state where as long as you stay inside the resort, you're okay, but the locals are barbaric and wild and the police are slightly brutal, so just be careful. They meet this couple, one of which is played by Mia Goth, who uh, says to him, oh my God, I loved your book. I thought it was incredible. Are you writing another one? And he's like, oh, I'm so strong inspiration they sort of end up going on a day trip to the beach and what happens is they get very drunk at the beach and on their way driving back uh, alexander skarsgård is driving the car and he hits a man with the car and um they try to sort of like just run and leave it but the police eventually catch on they get taken to the police station and the chief the chief officer says very casually look uh the penalty for this is to be executed but fear not because what we can do is we can if you pay us loads of money um you we can create a complete clone of your body and we can upload your consciousness and your thoughts and your feelings to them. And instead of you being executed, we'll execute the clone. And uh-huh. yeah, uh, so we're already like in sort of like, and, and that's the thing. It was delivered very matter of fact. We were, it wasn't, um, you know, touched upon that this is like an insane proposition. You're like, look at this. It was like in the mania of being processed in a slightly um, uh, like a skewed political system Right. where you're just panicking and you're like, oh my God, I've just been caught up in this terrible thing. What can I do? Throw money at the situation. Right. And so uh, Alexander Skarsgård watches uh, his own clone be stabbed to death as a means of justice. And in that process, you know, he's actually, he's not, he's not there. Well, there's obviously this sort of sense that we're not actually 100% sure because you've uploaded a consciousness to a clone. Is it, that version of him that's been executed right. or is it the clone that's now living on the man who goes there are the later versions yeah. of that which sort of are purposefully switching the perspective where you never really know who you are and he gets ended up linked with this this group of people who are all ultra wealthy who have all had their bodies destroyed and killed because they keep breaking the law and what you've got is this commentary on uh, the ultra-wealthy and how they can seemingly go on holiday, find themselves, discover things, commit as much crime as they can. But it doesn't really matter because with enough money and enough influence, you can essentially... Uh, reset, dispose of your old self at the cost of your own soul. And come the next hour and 15 minutes of a surrealist, psycho-hallucinogenic, body horror... Um, I mean, we, uh, there are so many things in this film that I cannot describe because it's, this thing would just get demonetized. Not right. that we make loads of money, but like, it would be downvoted in right. terms of the algorithm. But we've got phalluses emerging out of female genitalia. We've right. got blood and pus coming out of breasts Ugh. and uh, breastfeeding of people that shouldn't Good be Lord. breastfeeding. Uh, Mia Goth is uh, one of the pieces of this film that I thought kept me really interested. She's amazing screen presence. And there's sort of this, they're, they're like there are, there are little ideas dotted throughout, which I really liked and wanted to unpack. They tried to do so much more than commit to one of them that I just felt like it was showing too much without a clear idea and the audience just didn't know what to latch onto. So I'm glad I saw it. Mm. But coming out of that film, me and my cousin tried to discuss it and it was like trying to remember a really weird dream just right. as you've woken up. And I tried to attribute lots of meaning to it. And I actually just decided this lost me. I don't think a lot of the ideas work. There's a really cool idea about the rich, like regenerating themselves and being able to just get away with murder. But a lot of the time I felt a little bit lost. I thought some of the beats that it hit were funny when they weren't meant to be, despite some very engaging performances. So I didn't feel great watching it. You know, I came home and I felt really weird. I walked back to the overground. I was like, oh, I've just seen so much weird shit. Mm. Like, you know, last 20 minutes of midsummer, kind of weird. 
And, you know, I get in, Tally's like, how was the film? And I was like, God, it was really strange. Yeah. She's like, are but you not right? satisfyingly strange. And everything I was saying was weird. Everything I was yeah. doing felt weird. Nothing was normal again. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to shower, <laughs> curl up in a ball and watch The Mandalorian. Because nice. I was like, I just need to cleanse myself. It was like watching a film on Very Hard. Alex from Derby has seen Infinity Pool. And he says, having previously seen and rated Brandon Cronenberg's last film, Possessor, I was exceedingly excited to have a random rainy afternoon off to myself to go and watch this new offering. I love that, by the way. Oh yeah, gorgeous. You random do, you. rainy afternoon off and you went to the cinema Perfect by yourself. Perfect afternoon. Gorgeous. Gladly, I'd only heard one review of this film. I didn't know, what to, uh, didn't know too much about the journey as I was about to go in. I certainly wasn't prepared for how disorienting, disturbing, and at times wildly fun this film would be. It is the kind of movie you feel you can't leave the screen because the people outside won't understand what you've just experienced. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unexplainable. And when I made it to my car, I had to just sit for about 10 minutes to collect my thoughts. <laughs> I really cannot recommend it enough okay. for those with strong stomachs and minds. Yeah. <laughs> Cronenberg has once again managed to sear indelible imagery into my brain and the final act managed to make me physically and mentally squirm in a way that no other film has ever done. Well, a very visceral response to me there. That's mm-hmm. cool. A special mention to Mia Goth, Mia Goth, who has cemented herself as a real talent in, with this role, um, but Cronenberg must take the biggest plaudits. I have so many questions reading around in my head after Infinity Pool, some of which may never be answered, but I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Thanks as always for the pod. So thank you for your email. And I, I completely respect your opinion, but I will disagree on the, my thoughts on the ending, which I didn't like. I thought it, it, it fanned out way too much and then tried to very quickly just give right. a little meaning to it. And it, I wasn't there for it. Um, I will probably seek out Possessor, um, but... But also, is it one of those things you saw where you're like, well, at least he tried. Like, at least there was like a mad idea in there. Or is it... There's there's a mad idea in the beginning. And I think you could have like come back to that. And yeah. you didn't. You just had like good seven minute long psychedelic orgies. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, and? Uh, you haven't justified. You haven't you earned that. You haven't earned, you haven't the, earned the orgy. Yeah. I actually really You've glad... You've got to earn the orgy, <laughs> yeah, Brandon. Really okay. I, uh, I actually really glad I saw it because I felt like my brain was using really different muscles oh, trying right. to unpack it. Yeah. So in so many ways, I'm glad I, I did it. But I don't feel good watching it. Didn't feel good after it. And I've not come out loud. And you will film. never see it again. Never. Right. <laughs> if you've seen Infinity Pool, uh, just like Alex and James have, you can write in to head over at and let us know your thoughts. So George, those were some films that I very much enjoyed talking about. Thank you very much. Now it's time, as always with every week, to go to our listeners who write into the show to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Our next email is from Aiden, who says, Hey guys, currently on episode 18, trying to catch up. Just wanted to say, your content is amazing. Love Thank what you, you guys Aiden. are doing. Thank you so much. I would ask him a question, but you've probably already covered it. So I'll let you know once I've caught up. If you've reached this point, Aiden, if you've reached this point, congrats, you're, uh, congrats on reaching episode 70. Yeah, but this could be three months down. I know, but just say, well, <laughs> keep, going. keep going. Well done for making it this far. We hear you. Do you have Letterboxd? Thanks for entertaining my commute to work. You're welcome. I have Letterboxd, which I sometimes funnel my uh, pop kitchen stuff through. James doesn't no. uh, because he's... I let George do that. Lazy. No, um, yeah. <laughs> there's me. There you go. What are you on Letterboxd? Oh, George Pulp. And the link is I in the description it of the video. So everyone can follow. But, but yeah, come along. 
Declan writes in with the second part of his email because he spoke to us about Dungeons and Dragons, but he also talks about Scream 6. Oh, yes. He says, third time writing in, and my enjoyment of listening to all your film opinions is growing with every podcast episode I listen to. I'm trying to spread the word of how awesome this show is. I love how it's becoming a nice community. Oh, thank you. Today I wanted to write in because I've recently seen Scream 6. I'm a huge fan of the Scream films, having had my dad introduce them to me during an emotional time in my life. Oh. So to me, they're quite comforting. I love that. Uh, I love the reveals, mystery, meta-commentary, and just general campiness. It was only last year that Scream 5 came out and I remember feeling that in my eyes it had really revived the franchise. My question is for both of you wonderful lads what's a film you enjoyed that revived your interest in a franchise or a film that revived your love for a particular aspect of cinema whether it be an actor directing style or something else entirely? <sighs> big question. Big question. It's not a franchise. It was a film that really got me in, got me back into a franchise. God, I don't. I, well, there's very few things. Star that Trek 2009. In. I had yes. no engagement with Star Trek before that. Really that. Is that, that like, generationally for us? Do you think that's because our yeah. yeah, it wasn't available for us really. Yeah, that would have been it. And then 2009, J.J. Abrams style. Yeah, put that anamorphic lens flare across everything, yeah, which is now that, I think a little bit good. played out as a look, but it was cool at the time. Yeah, it's very of that era. Now, yes, so yeah. It, it looks like 2009 when you watch yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Um, Chris Pine really bursting onto the scene with that. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'd say I'd Chris say, Hemsworth also yes. about, like, about to burst on the scene yes, in one of yes. the best uh, scenes from that film. Um, and it's got that sort of time bit where the, the very end yeah, is at You know the me, time travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a film I think I should slap on and just like watch like an afternoon. Is it Eric Banner it? who plays the yeah. villain? Yeah. yeah, but like with loads of face tats. Uh, yeah, he does, yeah. But I can't say that I was like, oh my God, I'm a Star Trek guy no, now. No, I can't I say honestly I that that was never me. Nothing converted me. But and I say that like, the series since sort of disintegrated a little bit. I remember, I remember watching Bradley Cooper in Place Beyond the Pines and yeah. Silver Linings Playbook in quick succession. And I went, oh, I like this guy as an actor. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm actually... He made I'm such really a conscious effort to not do another Hangover-esque type film. Yeah. I mean, he looked he very bored yeah. in The Hangover 3. Oh my God. <laughs> he looked yeah. so bored. But Bradley Cooper's about to play Leonard Bernstein in a biopic called Maestro, which is produced by Steven Spielberg and Martin and Martin Scorsese. And it's got Jeremy Strong in it and Maya Hawke and Kerry Mulligan. I can't remember if we talked about it before, but like, yes, please. It looks really, really, really good. I'd say, I'd say like, it's hard to come up with one thing, but there's, I think, a film, watching one film that you really agree with always uh, pivots your eyes constantly. Yes. Like, you always will go, ooh, this, therefore there's that, which yeah. I can now look at. And it's an ever evolving thing. I can't say. Usually I'll get turned off from franchises. Mm. Not to sound like, oh, I'm so much better than them. I'm not. I yeah. just think like sometimes you'll go, ah, I need to cool off on this. Uh, Declan says, many thanks for all the content you bless us with. Thoroughly makes my day whenever I see an upload. Something I forgot to mention last time is that over Christmas, I had a few long journeys with friends and family. So we had a go at some of your games yeah. and altered a few of them to make them more Christmassy. Oh. And it was such a joy. Enjoy every day you have because the new perspectives I've gained from this podcast has allowed me to enjoy mine more and more. Wow. All the best. Declan. Declan. Well, oh my goodness. You go, Declan. Wisdom, yeah. That's uh, deep. I think Declan's a spiritual man. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Okay. Uh, wrote, he wrote this at candlelight on a quill. Yeah, yeah. Had his, his great-great-grandson oh, transcribe it to yeah. an email. <laughs> okay, uh, next up we've got an email uh, from Kieran who says, Hello, Pulp Kitchen, as if that's our name. Mm. Was wondering if either... either was one, I'm going to read this with the spelling in, spelling incorrect as it's written. Was wondering if either you, as film lovers, owned a physical collection. I much prefer owning films physically and have nearly 300 Blu-rays, but with nice. more and more films being released exclusively to streaming services, they often don't get a physical release. Mm. 
For example, there's no. Pl- I just went very <laughs> the partridge there, there partridge. but it's just like it's such a partridge point. They don't get a physical <laughs> release. It's a real shame. Uh, for example, there's no plans to release Barbarian on Blu-ray, which which what? was one of my favorite films of 2022. That is strange. Do you think physical releases will be a thing that carries on long into the future? Side note: I always thought it was funny when you would say sirens on your end until I was in the middle of a junction the other day and in a blind panic looking for an ambulance to be relieved and then I was relieved to hear you say sirens on our end. I think about you and everyone like you every time I say it. Um, controversial opinion, Taxi Driver isn't the masterpiece it's built up to be. Well, Quentin okay. Tarantino is going to hunt you down yeah. and shoot you. <laughs> yeah. uh, about physical media. Yeah, I um, I do not. I'm, uh, I think I made a decision in my life in general to go digital. Whether or not I think that's the perfect thing to do is another thing. I did at one time in my late teens start collecting Blu-rays and I just eventually fell out of it and I just thought, I don't have a lot of money. It's costing me 13 to 15 pounds a pop to buy these and I don't feel like, I could tell the digital evolution was coming and I didn't want to have an inconsistent collection. So in so many ways, I'd love to have a physical media collection. I know you've got some really great Criterion collection where it's like not just physical media, it's like it's an experience and you get a booklet and you unpack it. So in a lot of ways, I think when the apocalypse happens and the bunkers and the servers are wiped by an EMP, in my bunker, I can't go on Prime and watch a film, but no. you will be able to unfold, you'll get your little Blu-ray player, yeah. and in the bunker, you, you will be able to watch um, whatever you want to watch, and I'm, I'm somewhat reliant on services to provide me with digital media. Mm. Uh, so I'm aware of it, but I also, I don't want the space, I don't want the clutter. Yeah. Um, there's a cost to it as well, but uh, you... you yeah, you're, you're I, I, I think physical media will maintain the same way that vinyl did. I think that's what Criterion has been doing yeah. with like super boutique, high-end not just giving you a film, but it's giving you a booklet, it's giving you an essay, it's giving you amazing special features. Yeah. Like, It's giving you a real depth experience, and that's why it's three times the price point of what a normal Blu-ray is. I would, because uh, currently uh, a Blu-ray disc is better quality than the highest quality that an Apple and Amazon give you. That You still get yeah. a better picture on Blu-ray. I would love them to go even harder on that and go, okay, so we've come up with this new way to you know store and and play media i'd rather if they came with a really great presentation for these films Mm. and i had an investment in a really good home cinema setup i could imagine myself for certain films buying physical media but the convenience factor of digital i think is um, more appealing for me currently in my life kieran thank you for your email next one is from jared who says hey george and james they put the george first this time oh which oh because we said it was james george which which is usually what people do but B C D E F G G George should come first. No, J and George. Yeah, G is is a the letter comes before J. No, but I said it's the it's the alphabetic vowel sound. Oh, so I'm not a. saying it's my rule. I've been told that like George and James. Yeah, it's like J James and George. George. It's the alphabetic George vowel and James. sound. George and James. What it is? George and James. We need to we need to speak to like a phoneticists. Yeah, who can? What name? should we be? Okay. Carry on. Thank you for naming me first. Long time listener, second time emailer, kind of. A few months ago, I wrote an email to you and waited patiently week after week for you to read what I wrote. Every week you skipped mine. I was so worried. Was my question bad? Do they hate me? Well, yesterday I went onto my email to read what I wrote again and I felt like the biggest idiot when I realized I sent it to the wrong email. (laughs) Now I feel horrible placing the blame on you in my mind for so long. Anyway, I've got voodoo dolls with faces on them, sticking pins in them. (laughs) Fucking James and George. I'm picturing the Eminem music video stand. Oh, yeah. He's writing the thing. Dear Dear Paul, I wrote wrote you, but you still ain't calling. 
Avatar 2 was not that good. I'm driving down the freeway and I'll never ride your ass. Now I feel horrible placing the blame on you in my mind for so long. Anyway, I've been a huge fan of you guys for a while. I'm a junior studying film in college, and your podcast has really given me an entirely new insight into films as well as the industry. Well, when you say junior in college, I have to immediately uh, go. Um, Plus, I love your takes, even when you don't necessarily, even when I don't necessarily agree with them, since it's so interesting to hear your perspectives. Oh, thank you. Couldn't possibly agree more on James's take on Avatar The Way of Water, but also Armageddon Time was my least favorite movie of 2022. I've also since spoken to people who thought it was a load of rubbish. So A load of rubbish? I've heard a load of rubbish. Wow. But I I thought it was a little bit more interesting than uh, it appeared to be. Uh, My question pertains to directors. I love to spend my time creating rankings of different film-related things, such as directed, uh, directors. And so I was wondering if you guys could rank some directors' filmographies in Bobby. order of your favorite to least favorite. Oh. I would especially be interested in hearing your list of Kubrick, Chazelle, Tarantino. I mean, we, we at Spielberg. You know it's just your top five to make it easier. Let's pick. Let's pick two. Top, Hold what on. What do we do? Top three. I could you can rank as many of those as you want. I just wanted to list them for you in case you wanted options. P.S. As a huge Babylon fan who saw it six times six in theaters. Times. I know your Chazelle ranking will hurt me, but that's okay. I'll live. Thank you so much. And hopefully this went on to the right email this time, Jared. Jared, that's, it did. That's okay. 18 uh, hours. Uh, that's okay. I understand two, maybe three. But for a movie that long, six, that must have been a part-time job. But Jared, if you felt moved enough to go and see Babylon six times, I'm so happy. I salute you. you. And I, and I absolutely I like, salute you. That, well, imagine uh, when you love a film like that, a big cinematic epic that's a, a feast for the eyes yeah. on the screen, and you're loving it, and it's long. You must just be absolutely giddy when when that those credits roll. <laughs> All right, uh, quickly, can you do your top three Tarantino? Top three Tarantino. I'm gonna go top of my head. Kill Bill, Inglorious. Reservoir Dogs. Are they in order? I think so. Oh, you put those in order. I think so, but I'm just going to- Kill Bill, your top one. Very... Do that again, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, Inglorious, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, I think. I don't like to put them in order, Yeah. but if I was going to, I'd probably say Pulp Fiction. Yeah. For me, that is like the iconic OG Tarantino. Named after it. Yeah. Um, I named it more because it was a pun. But you're right, yeah, you no, know. know. <laughs> um, followed by Inglorious. Yeah. And actually probably- if I was to have three mm. to encapsulate his range, I would probably go Pulp Fiction, Inglorious, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Followed very closely by Reservoir and Kill Bill. Yeah. Underneath which is Django as the solid middle ground mm. we talked about earlier with, with a question mark next to Jackie Brown. And then below that is uh, Death Proof. I think because Kill Bill was the first Tarantino I ever watched. I was oh, like, wow. This is like, what is this? This way of telling a story. And Did you do Spielberg? That's, no, God, we'd spend all day. I'll no. do I'll do Damien Chazelle, which I think we both would agree on, which is Whiplash, yes. First Man, La La Land. I mean, he's only had four films. I know, but that's what I'm saying. We so it's everything but Babylon? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying it's a ranking. It's oh, one, two, Whiplash, three. Whiplash, definitely. Whiplash, Whiplash, yeah, Whiplash, first, la- Whiplash first Man. Um, As I said. Yeah. Next email. This email is from Alistair, who says, Hi, guys. I'm a pretty new listener to the pod and I've never been a person who is overly into movies, but I've become much more interested in the world of cinema since listening. Yes, That's great. Love That's that. We love that. I particularly appreciate some of your recommendations, especially Arrival, which I have not stopped thinking about. Oh, yeah, great. Amazing. And Barbarian, which I enjoyed despite not being into horror movies at all. We great. converted a few people on Barbarian. I'm glad for it. That was a, I love that movie. You may have discussed it before, but I was wondering what you both think. 
of Forrest Gump. Mm. I often tell people it is my favorite mo- favorite film as I love how it includes so many historical events without being anyone in particular. I also think Tom Hanks is brilliant in it and I appreciate that it is just one film that hasn't been ruined by countless sequels. I think I have, a fond- I think I have such a fond memory of it because I watched it a lot with my family growing up. I seem to be on Sky One all the time. <laughs> Do you have any movies you particularly enjoy uh, due to your memories of watching it before. Cheers, Alistair from Edinburgh. Just James. watching Forrest Gump on Sky One would probably take three and a half hours <laughs> because of the endless... I mean, like, it's a long breaks. film as it is. It is. How, how long is it? Like two and a half? Forrest Gump, I think, is a film, while George Googles how long it is, that I think gets... I, I like Forrest Gump, I, but I know a lot of people that really rail on it, and I don't think it's as bad as people... People give it a lot of shit. I agree. I when I watched it when I was like thirteen, I thought it was fucking brilliant. I, I loved it. I watched it. I think younger than thirteen. Yeah. I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. And look at all the amazing things touching upon in history. Yeah. Which I think I understand how that can annoy people. But no, Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks it gives a really good performance. And it's it's emotional at the end. Yeah. I think I think that's the thing. I think when you get older. You look back and you, and I think now, maybe, maybe especially if we've become so overly familiar with Forrest Gump that the yeah. whole plays and carrots again can get a little bit like, oh God. And I'll make the praise. Like a little bit patronizing. Okay, yeah. But, but it's like, it's really, you could, it, yes, you could easily tear Forrest Gump down. I think, but I it's think, got such a, like, a heart and it's just so, yeah. like, I think if you sat the haters down and forced them in some sort of weird fantasy world to watch Forrest Gump, I think they would secretly have a lot more fun than what they slag it off for. Yeah, I agree. And actually, it was one of the, wasn't that one of the ones we suggested for the guy who'd never seen a movie before? Yes, it was up there. Yeah, all I think, time. I think I, so. It's no long like when I was like thirteen, it was like my one of my favorite films. Yeah. It's not there now, but like I I, I like Forrest Gump. I, if it's on as well, I think oh. I could say that yeah, yeah, yeah. easy because it, it moves. Big... It's like now it's the seventies, and then the soundtrack yeah. is just like yeah, hit yeah, after yeah. hit after. When he but, runs for the first time, oh, that whole sequence in Vietnam, incredible. Yeah. And Lieutenant Dan, <laughs> you ain't got no legs. <laughs> Thank you, Alistair. Even Lieutenant Dan came to watch. Uh, this next one is from Angus. He says, "Good day, fellas." Aussie. In the wake of no West Sussex. Oh right. Okay. Um, he provided it, right? Much yeah. closer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, I already set you up there. Yeah. <laughs> Good day, fellas. In the wake of the Oscars, I've been thinking about films and series I deem to be of very high quality. And it's got me thinking about limited series. Obviously, there are Emmy categories for limited series. But to what extent do you think there's a place for them at the Oscars? Right. Why group them with TV series? Letterbox, for example, acknowledges them, but doesn't, t- but doesn't TV series... But doesn't TV series. Right. Not just limited series, but doesn't TV series. Gotcha. I understand why it's found a place at the Emmys, but I feel as though a lot of limited series have their roots in film, and the way you'd approach them is surely more similar to how you would a film. Also, some limited series have originally started as films and then released. They have more potential as a limited series, despite still being a relatively short runtime. Also, for categories like original score, you can have more music time in some films than you do in limited series. I'm not petitioning for limited series to be at the Oscars or anything, but just the idea just provides some interesting thoughts, and I'd love to know what you guys think. Brackets, I really enjoyed Dope Sick on your recommendation. Maniac, When They See Us, and Unorthodox are also personal favourites of mine. Do you have any others to mention? Loving the podcast and appreciate all the effort you guys put in. Keep up the great work. Angus, West Sussex. Thank you, Angus. Um, Um, Limited series, George. Right, so... um First of all, the one limited series that comes to my mind that uh, I will always recommend, Band of Brothers, is yeah. like the like definitive limited series, twenty three years ago or Pacific whatever. As well, Just, so I, Band of Brothers, I think, is I, I much better. But like, but like of that ilk. But yeah, I, I think that's a great, great limited series, and that, that 
and also a limited series that you know it only ever had 10 episodes but it stayed with people and before We're tv was what it is today it was very unique to have that kind of treatment done to a tv show um i'm not sure if i agree whether it has a place at the oscars but like i do agree that it is a gray area because i remember this happens a lot with documentaries like oj made in america is like eight hours long yeah it won the oscar for best documentary but there was a conversation about like I think they then changed the rules after that one because they were like, that had actually run on ESPN as a TV series right. that they then condensed and put out as a, as a single film. And so the Academy was like, you can't do that because you're cheating the runtime kind of rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know if they have a place in the Oscars, but I do love a limited series. Like, like Dope Sick, like you say, great. Yeah. Gets in, gets out. That's all you need. To, to your point, I think I'll pick on something I said oh, last and the, and, week. Sorry, the... Uh, Watchmen thing they did recently. That was a series mm. that you thought they were going to spin for, for series on series. Yeah. But they just came in, did 10 episodes and then left it. Yeah, I like it when they just leave it. Um, yeah, on, on the point, just picking on something I said last week, which I think it's going to be more of a conversation because more and more screenplays, projects, IP, are going to be defaulting to TV versus film. Yeah. So if you are the kind of you know distributor that is more prioritizing Oscar nominations, that could genuinely sway it unless that changes mm. but uh, yeah limited series i love people versus oj i thought was fantastic oh, and great. so gripping but then is that a limited series because then they've had that's an anthology yeah, series yeah i see they've the had point the... but i sort of count it as its own yeah it's fair enough but i'd say it kind of felt like its own great. thing yeah. and then um a very english scandal i thought was great oh with yes Hugh about Jeremy three Northup. episodes that was that was fantastic i got yeah. to watch all that early because i was i was researching mm. neil from the in-betweeners at the time and blake he's in harrison. one scene blake yeah. harrison and i got to watch all that. chernobyl Oh, Chernobyl. Great, Chernobyl, great really shout. Good. Yeah. That's another one I'd say. Great. Um, a true detective, I suppose you could say originally. But then again, that's second again, season. So how do you, so. I'd still, I still, no, no. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Because if, if it's Queen's good. Gambit was quite good. But it's like, if you, if you allow true detective, can you now allow the White Lotus? No. That's the thing. No, you can't allow them. The rules are changing. That's what we, well, guys, I would just say, if you, uh, like Jared, uh, do not have our email, it's always linked below, and it is hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. I try to load it on the screen every few and minutes. And if you sat there thinking, hey, I, I sent an email a few weeks ago, yeah. and I've checked it, and I, and I sent it to the right one, we are getting to it. We have a bit of a backlog. We're just trying to get to it. We just don't want to make the episode super long, so do not despair. We will get to you. So, George, you know, I'm always trying to... Well, we are, well, both of us are always trying to mix up the show, of keep course. it fresh, keep it original. And, you know, we're in the sort of 48 hours leading up to a record, you and I, what we're seeing, what we've seen, mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Okay, we'll do that. You do that. Have we got a game? And usually, within a few hours of the show, someone has to come up with a game. And I know, if I just say, oh, we're doing castless, oh, we're doing opposites, you're going to get... You're going to go into your mind palace and you're going to start linking up the faces of the actors and putting them together. That's what I do. And I need to keep you on your toes. Okay. Okay? I want you to have a mental workout. Okay. So what I've devised is a series of miscellaneous quick-fire rounds. Okay. All of them are different, and for all of them, you have 30 seconds to answer them. Okay? Okay. So for this first one, are you ready? I think so. You ha- oh, I need to get a timer out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. And I think you'll be fine. Sweating already. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. I took. Okay, I want to work this boy out. I want you to need a nap when you're done. Okay, George, are you ready? You have to name 10 films with a color in the title. Okay. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now green book the thin red line um the the color purple um uh um uh black narcissus um 
the white uh, Black Hawk Down. No, uh, orange is the new black. No, that's uh, um, um, blue is the warmest color. Um, half a yellow sun. Uh, 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 deep blue sea. I've said blue. Um, no, no, you could you use multiple colors. Uh, uh, deep blue sea. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, purple rose of Cairo. Um, Time. Hang on, you didn't tell me that I could do the same colour twice. Oh, of course you can. No, no, I no. said with a colour in the title. No, 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 but I've said the red one. No, 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 because I could have done more. I oh, could have done more. Okay. That's, well, that was round one. How many did I get, though? You got, I think you got eight in the end. How many do I need to get? Ten. So I got eight. Come you on. You got eight. Oh, that's fine. I think you did very well. It's hard. That's hard. Because I could have done Blue Ruin, Green Book. Green Mile. Uh, green, sorry, not Green Book. I did Green, green book. book. Green Room. Green Room, Green Mile. Pink Panther. Can you make sure pink... Can you make sure you <laughs> Clock explain... Orange. Can you explain? Men in black. Can you explain the the rules <laughs> the exactly? I will. Okay. Legally blonde. Technically. Oh, shut up. Okay, come on. Okay, George, you have to name five films where the main character dies. You have thirty seconds. Go. Uh, Sunset Boulevard. Um, uh, 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 Pulp Fiction. Um, sure. uh, um, uh, Let's do. Uh, Main character dies. Uh, Alien three, um, uh, Terminator two. You could argue. Um, uh, the Matrix re- Revolutions. Yes, just you had a second to go. <laughs> I get five. I mean, I have five. You got five. You got five. I said Terminator two because you Arnie. Arnie, you maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I count that. And I, 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 almost, I also would have counted Matrix one. Because Neo technically dies and comes back as the one. Are you good? How are you feeling? You doing well? How are you doing at home? That's are a spoiler. You, you should have flagged that as a spoiler one for people. Oh, it's the Matrix one. Come on. No, no, please. but like five films where the character dies. Oh, it's yeah, like, that's okay. fine. <laughs> right. You ready? Next round. Name. Okay. You have to name seven films where the runtime exceeds three hours. You have 30 seconds. Go. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, The Irishman. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, um, uh, Russian Ark, um, uh, 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 Gandhi, um, Barry Lyndon, and um, um, uh, uh, Babylon. Yes. (laughs) Did I do it? You did it. You had like eight seconds to spare. You can also do like, you can do like Moses, Ten Commandments. No, 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 no. I've given you my (laughs) seven. And, and, and I passed the test. <laughs> For anyone listening, George already looks exhausted. Okay, next come on, round. Yeah, think, You're doing on, very well. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. give it to you. You're doing very well. <sighs> right. Ready? Next round. Are you enjoying these? <laughs> I am, actually. These are fun. <laughs> okay. You have to name 10 Disney films made before 1970. Your time starts now. Your 30 seconds. Ben Nobbs and Broomsticks. Yeah. Uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Uh, Robin Hood. Yeah. Uh, Steamboat Willie. You counting that? Sure. Uh, Fantasia. Yes. Uh, ba- Bambi. The Jungle Book. Um, uh, Dumbo. Some big ones you're missing. Uh, uh, 1970. Um, uh, Robin Hood. Did I say Robin Hood? You said Robin Hood. Uh, Jungle Book. Um, um, uh, not Beauty and the Beast, no. Uh, 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 time. How many Snow did I need to get? You got eight. Snow White. Snow White, Cinderella. How many did I need to get? Ten. Ten. 
Snow White Cinderella. Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair Did enough. well. Did well. I think Alice in Wonderland, I suppose. Alice in Wonderland, the OG. Right, next one. Oh, God, these are good, but Jesus Yeah, Christ. enjoying them? Okay. Ready? George, you have to name 10 Marvel films made before 2008. You have 30 seconds. Ten. Your time starts now. X-Men 1, X-Men 2, X-Men 3, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, um, Blade 2, Blade 3, all <laughs> uh, three Blades, yeah. and um, uh, Marvel, uh, uh, Howard the Duck. <laughs> You and Jeff got uh, Marvel. Uh, could have also got Fantastic Falls 1 and 2. Yep. Daredevil. James, again, <laughs> I've given you my answer. You're so I've like passed the test. Yep. I've done it now. What's, on, yes. what's next? Okay. <sighs> Last one of these. Okay. These quick fire miscellaneous. Jesus. Ready? Okay. Name three films in which the actor Sean Bean survives. You have 30 seconds. Survives. The Martian. Yes. Sean Bean. <laughs> Survives. <laughs> 15 seconds. I'm struggling left. to remember what he's been in apart from Lord of <laughs> the Rings and Goldeneye. Dies in Goldeneye. I know. Dies uh, in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Aragon. No. Uh, National Treasure. Yes. National Treasure 2? National Treasure 3? No. That's time. Oh. National Treasure is one. Uh, you seen, could I have also said uh, Troy. All right. Flight Plan. No. Uh, Pixels. No. National Treasure I had on my list. But there you go, George. Are you suitably exhausted? <laughs> Jeez. I, can we just say, I think I did quite well. I think you did very well. I've, I've no, I've no, nothing to say about you not doing well. Uh, but I have to mix it up a bit. <laughs> I thought the three, just three films where Sean Bean survived. That's good. good. That's good. I like that. The color one, I wish you, I, I know, I should have said you didn't have to complete the rainbow. But, you could have just yeah, said complete green, the green, rainbow. Green, yeah. But I was trying to in my <laughs> head. I, I was trying I to keep my rest that you went through. Okay, well done. And I was going to have rules like, oh, are we counting black and white as color? But I was like, no, that's fine. It's all colors are good. Right, I'm just going to end with the cast list countdown. Ready? Okay. Give those of you who know the rules. Um, whatever. You know, I'm going to list a cast and George has to tell me what film I'm talking about before I get to the end. Ready? You have to guess the film based on its cast. In three, two, one. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Steve Martin. Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. <laughs> Martin Short. Uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Is this like Father of the Bride? Part two. Rafe Fines. Whoa, whoa, Rafe. Last one. No. Val Kilmer. These people are in the flesh. The answer is, animation? is the <laughs> Prince of Egypt. <laughs> and the reason I do the Prince of Egypt is when this comes out, it'll be Passover. So hug Samaya to everybody. And if you didn't know, the Prince of Egypt is great. And I'm watch, sure yeah, many of you are going that, to watch it. Watch it's that at school a lot. Fantastic. I did, wow, Absolutely yeah, fantastic. You didn't but, really give me a chance to guess it. But no, I, I just sort of wrap up the show. But what a great cast. Jeff Goldblum, Steve like, Martin, Donnie Glover, Martin amazing. Short, Sandra Bullock, Michelle Pfeiffer. this uh, burning bush. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, he plays like just, him and... Uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I'll say for that. Whoa. Wait. Well, guys, have a great Passover if you do celebrate Passover. Thank you so much for listening to this to episode 70 I know. of Hot Kitchen. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. I think I need to lie down. Uh, I mean, yes, sorry, before I lie down, the usual. Instagram, TikTok, you know where to find us. But also this, mm -hmm. going forward, James and I, we talk about a lot of new, new films, but we do occasionally watch 
older films or mm-hmm. recent films that aren't new new right now when we talk about those films sometimes we don't have time to fit them in an episode so we release bonus content if you're listening to this check our spotify feed or your podcast feed or whenever throughout the week we're gonna be doing more bonus stuff and you'll see bonus stuff coming more out tv catch-ups things like that maybe some spoiler chats so if you're if you're getting your pulp kitchen withdrawals halfway through the week don't worry. We're, we're I want to be like the David Mitchell football sketch. More football all the time. Endless combinations. Dizzy. Maddening. Until then, see you next week. See you next week.